Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to, uh, I just about said it wrong. Welcome to the Curtain Call podcast here on Behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Benedict. I'm here most weeks uh, with me, my co-host, as always, right there, uh, Shannon White. How are you doing, Shannon? I'm doing great. Good to see everybody. All right. And today, our special guest is Behind the Steel Curtains, KT Smith, Coach Smith. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, sir? Thank you, gentlemen. Doing great. Happy to talk to you on a uh, lovely July evening here. Yeah, how's your weather out there in uh, New Jersey? A, yeah, man, South Jersey down at the beach. This is kind of like the dream season for us, you know. We put yeah, up with uh, we put up with a miserable uh, a miserable winter uh, of like wind off the ocean to get to these months. So I'm gonna enjoy it. All right, man. And uh, how how long do you have till football season starts back? Or are you already? Oh, in? please, football season. It's it's twenty four seven, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. already we, rolling. We graduated on on a Friday, and then we uh, we had mini camp on that Monday. So it's just oh wow. So yeah, all year it, round. It is. It is. It's like the big boys, you know. Whoo man! Hey, That's speaking something. of speaking of training camp, uh, I'm heading up to uh, Latrobe for the first time ever this year. I can't. I couldn't be more excited. I've never been there. I don't know. Have, have either of you guys ever been to training camp? I have never been. Okay. I have. Yes. I have ne- I've I've meant to go and it just never worked out. I'm gonna try again this year. We'll see if any days work out for me. Right. But yeah, I'd cool. love to be there. But I ain't been there since Cower. Oh, okay. So it's been a while. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited. Well, today's show, today's topic, and one of the reasons we got running KT Smith here is we're gonna talk about the Steelers offense and specifically one of the questions we saw popping up last week on our show. When we were talking about the different players on the offense and the offensive roster, people were saying, yeah, okay, there's these players, but how is Matt Canada going to use them? So we brought in Coach today, and one of our questions and one of our our big discussion this week is, how is Matt Canada going to use these players, and what are some of the ways they fit what he wants to do, and what are some ways he can really use uh, the players on the team? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start throwing you, a, throwing you a question here, Coach, with – Of the three quarterbacks the Steelers have, right, is there one that stands out that says this guy really fits what Matt Canada wants to do or this guy really doesn't fit what Matt Canada wants to do? Or can he use any three of them, any of the three? Yeah, that's an interesting question because when you look at his college, uh, the teams that he coached in college, he always seemed to adapt his scheme to the personnel on hand. And he had a lot of different styles of quarterback. If you go all the way back to, to Northern Illinois, uh, he had Jordan Lynch, who was a, a real dual threat quarterback, more of a Lamar Jackson, if you want to use a pro comparison, than to, uh, you know, to a traditional type quarterback. But, you know, then he goes to Wisconsin and he's got, you know, a tremendous rushing game. He's got the, that three-headed monster tailback. And, and he used more of a, a play-action pocket passer. And then, he, then he's got Jacoby Brissett at NC State. And he's running – more of a spread scheme, uh, you know, and then he's at Pitt and he's running what you, I know, Jeffrey, you've done a ton of study of that Pitt offense. You know, I don't know. Yep. If it's, it's sort of the mad scientist approach. Right. So, I mean, we, I think he can kind of uh, adapt what he wants to do to whomever. Uh, but I, I think ideally he wants to be a movement based coordinator. And I think that for right now, that probably benefits Mitchell Trubisky the most with Kenny Pickett's development uh, a factor there. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I think that last year uh, was his first year with a totally immobile quarterback, though. And, and I think it, it was just such, it, the way it worked out, he could not adapt his offense because, you know, being really couldn't take snaps from center. He struggled to get back to make the handoffs even because, you know, his legs were gone. So, again, I, I don't judge anything based on last year's offense because it, it's going to be totally different. But of the three quarterbacks, um, I think Pickett could be the best fit, but he doesn't have the experience. But GB wrote an article that posted today talking about the pros and cons of each quarterback and what their strengths were and weaknesses with each each different type of pass they'll be required to throw. I don't know if you got to see that or not. But one of the one of the issues, Trubisky has the mobility, and but he is not incredibly accurate. Um, you know, likes to throw more towards the helmet than he does lead in, you know, lead the uh, on crossers and, and slants. And then he also, uh, he likes touch. You know, he, he he's more, he likes to muscle the ball. So you think that's going to be a good fit with this stable of receivers and skill position players? Well, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, Everything Mitchell Trubisky did in Chicago, I kind of take with a little bit of a grain of salt because that was a bad, that was a bad situation for him. He and Matt Nagy were not a good combination. Um, I think that Nagy had a, had a certain you know style that he wanted to run and he wanted to do, to do very very specific things. And from everything I've read, he was not real willing to adapt what he was doing to some of Trubisky's strengths. Um, and so. You know, when you read about him in Buffalo, man, the Bills coaches raved about him. They did, they felt that he was really, uh, a, you know, a much more nuanced quarterback and more developed quarterback than many people had, had perceived based on what he'd done in Chicago. So it'll be interesting really to see, like, who are we getting? Who are the Steelers getting? Are they getting, you know, Mitch Trubisky from 2019 in Chicago? Or are they getting the guy that the Bills coaches seem to, you know, really be high on? Uh, and then it's going to fall on Canada. What, what's he able to do? I mean, a coach's job is to make their players better. A coach's job is to find ways to take your talent uh, and accentuate the strengths and, and minimize or downplay or at least shield the weaknesses. Uh, the Steelers, I think, early on are probably going to ride with Trubisky because I don't think Kenny Pickett will be ready. And so it'll really be on Canada to say, like, hey, look, man, I got a certain offense that I like and that I want to run, but – I might have to tailor a little bit of it to, to what Trubisky's strengths are. And uh, and so, you know, it's a big year for Matt Cannon in that regard. The Steelers have gone to great lengths to to accommodate him and try to, like, bend the personnel uh, to what he wants to do. And so he's going to have to come through, man. He, he's not going to be able to, to just say, like, all right, Ben Roethlisberger's gone, and now I'm just going to do whatever I want because he still has some limitations. Jeffrey, I, I listened to your uh, cutting room floor podcast about the receivers and you made some really good points about like how hey look they're they're all I don't want to say flawed but they, but each one of those receivers has some issues that they struggle with and so it'll be it'll be challenging for Canada to, to marry his preferred scheme with the quarterback and then that receiving group so I, I want to see if you can give us uh I know obviously you can't draw up a play or show us something like that on, on this but if you could give us an idea of, of 
what it would mean to an offense like Matt Canada's if you when you add a quarterback who is very mobile and is also very, very good throwing downfield on the move. Because yeah. Trubisky, one of his best attributes is when he's on the move, he can still like really put the ball downfield. Uh what kind of things does that open up for an offense? And is that is that a big strength in Canada's offense? Right. I got I got a whiteboard right over my shoulder here. So I, <laughs> I, I wish I could tilt this just so um, no, but uh you know, I'll will take the play that, that you you shared with me on Slack earlier today. Jeffrey shared a shared a, a video clip with me on Slack earlier today of uh, the Steelers running a bootleg concept with Ben Roethlisberger. They put trips to one side of the formation and a single receiver to the backside, and they ran a play action to the trip side where Roethlisberger pulls the ball, and now he boots away from the trips. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster coming underneath the formation. You guys have probably seen that with H-backs usually, but they use Juju to do it, and then he spills out in the flat to the opposite side, and Roethlisberger winds up dumping the ball in the flat to Juju for a, a, a small gain. But the real money was on the over route by the middle receiver in that trips. And that, that was Deontay Johnson. Uh, his job is to, is to beat the, the, the alley player underneath and then climb over top of the backers and get depth as he climbs across the field. Uh, and, you know, Roethlisberger just wasn't mobile enough to be able to, to let that route develop. He, he was too slow and not deep enough on his bootleg and got a little bit of pressure in his face and kind of rushed the ball out of his hand and dumped it in the flat to Juju. But had he been able to, to just wait another two, three steps on his boot, that over route now is coming open, and he now is able to hit Deontay Johnson for a 15, 18, 20-yard gain. And that's really, you know, the middle of the field in the play action and movement game is uh, it's just this unmined territory that the Steelers have not been able to really develop over the last few years. And one of the things Canada does really well, and I, I know we all talk a lot about his shifts and his motions, and I think that some fans think it's a, it's a whole lot of nothing. But what it challenges defenses to do is, is two things specifically. One, they got to make proper uh, adjustments. They got to really change their calls. They got to change their structure, their pre-snap structure. And if they if they don't do that soundly, then they they wind up you know leaving voids that can be exploited. But but even even if they do it soundly, all that movement forces them to move. And now you've got the opportunity for the offense. To move against it. Uh, for example, if, you, if you're if you're jet motioning this way, and now you're running boot back that way with some crossers, that linebacker has to shift left, and then diagnose the play action, and now run with a crosser, and who may be somebody quick like Deontay Johnson back across the field. That's an awful lot to ask, you know. And so these are some things that I'm excited about because I think that the Steelers in this movement-based offense have an, a real opportunity to exploit the middle of the field where they've just been unable to do that the past, past couple seasons. Yeah, we talked last week. Um, I don't know if you caught it or not, but not only was the offensive line a terrible fit for the aging old Ben and immobile Ben, but the, uh, the skill position talent was not a good match either. And they had one receiver that could actually get open fast enough with the, you know, the pressure that was immediately coming up the middle in under two seconds, no quarterback likes it, especially an immobile quarterback. And Ben could not step into his throws. And if you noticed a lot last year, there was a lot of throws off that back leg, that back foot. And he didn't drive into the throws like he used to do. And used to his arm was so strong, he didn't have to. But at his age, after the surgery, 
he needed to. But now Canada has a bunch of skill position players. I think they fit. And the more we talked about it last week, I've gotten more and more excited about Chase Claypool in the slot. Because I know they're going to use Fryermuth too in the slot. But Claypool could be a slot monster with the mismatches and the ability, and that's going to accentuate uh, and maximize his talents where where he was playing wasn't. You know, that's why you want a George Pickens. And then you have that speed factor in Pickens and in Calvin Austin the third. But to me, Chase Claypool could have a monster season out of the slot, uh, regardless of which quarterback it is. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I like that idea more and more. And, and uh, I think that a lot of that now will fall on Frisman Jackson, the new wide receivers coach, because mm. when you bump inside to the slot, it's a really different picture for you. You're now dealing with a whole different set of circumstances pre-snap. It's a lot more movement. Mm. Uh, you got bigger players, you know, rolled up strong safeties and linebackers. When you're going to be asked to run a lot of crossers where you have to navigate a lot of clutter, you got to really uh, work where – where Claypool, I think, struggled last year, uh, and we saw Ben Roethlisberger get visibly upset about this a couple of times, was in uh, hot checks or, or, mm-hmm. or route reads, you know, choice routes or, or uh, what they call sight progressions, where, you know, you're, you're, you're citing the defense as your route develops and then you're adjusting to the coverage that you see. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to play in the slot, you really need to do that well because a lot of stuff, like I'll give you, I'll give you one example. The Steelers run a ton of, of what we call mesh which is uh, where you're taking a, a crosser from one side of the formation and a crosser from the other, and they're going to cross each other in the middle of the field, one, one with a low cross at around four yards and another with a higher one at about six yards. Um, but once they cross each other, it now becomes a read game. You know, you're now immediately reading the next defender that you see. If that defender is playing zone, meaning he's fallen back away from you, you need to settle down and, and mm-hmm. find the hole. If he's in man, you need to run away from him. Like, that's just the thing that Claypool's going to have to pick up if he's going to play in the slot and get good at. If he can do it, and that's why I brought up Frisman Jackson, because I think that that's a mm-hmm. huge job of the, of the wide receivers coach. But you're right. If he can do it, and you've got a 6'4", 235-pound guy who can run, playing there or you got pat fryermuth who, who i think is a matchup nightmare for teams i mean mm-hmm. i i wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about you know like how i sort of think that the steelers might mold their offense off of san francisco's and i watched a lot of san francisco film and when i went back and forth between kittle and fryermuth they look a, they look a they lot look alike player, yeah. man right mm-hmm. so if you got a, if you got a george kittle in the making on one you know uh, with the opportunity to play in the slot and then claypool that's mm-hmm. you know Awesome. You're saying you're talking about Claypool <laughs> having to grow and adjust to be a better slot receiver. And one of the things I've been running into when I'm watching, I'm watching filming with my articles is Anthony Miller and his time in Chicago when him and Mitchell Trubisky were together. Uh, he was not only very productive, he had the highest quarterback rating of any of the receivers. Mitchell Trubisky was throwing to him. Mitchell Trubisky was throwing to him. It was something like a 95.7 quarterback rating. Whereas like even Allen Robinson, it was in the high eighties, right? This, they had kind of a special connection and he played almost exclusively in the slot. Do you think there's a chance that we could see Anthony Miller in the slot with Mitchell Trubisky early on, or even as like a number four receiver on this team? Does he have much of a shot of, 
of getting that role if him and Mitchell Trubisky can continue to, to play well together. Yeah, that's a good point because he's probably like the most natural slot on the on the roster. Uh, and he and early on they may have you know some carryover chemistry. Uh, it's, it's a numbers crunch though, receiver, isn't it? You know they got yeah. they got six seven guys that could all legitimately make the roster. Maybe even an eighth guy. Um, and so where you know who's the odd man out? Because we know that Claypool and Johnson and Pickens uh, are are locks for the roster. We suspect that Austin. Uh, is is going to make it, and then now you're probably talking about you know like three guys for those final one to two spots, depending on how many guys they carry. Boykins, you know, probably got a leg up. As a, <laughs> as a, yeah, yeah. You know, Boy, Boykins got a leg up as a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Gunner Gunner O was brought in as a special teams guy, but isn't much of a receiver, <laughs> right? You mentioned Miller. You mm-hmm. got uh, Cody White, who, who the Steelers seem to like. They uh, hired his yeah. dad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nothing doesn't get you in the NFL, but you know, like, so for Miller, man, I I agree a hundred percent that you know there's he did a lot of good things in Chicago, uh, but you know how much do the Steelers value his experience in the slot? That could probably go a long way to determining whether he makes the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just you know, like you said, we just counted off seven or eight. So again, yeah. a good problem to have. I I don't think that. Ben was ever comfortable with him. Ben said that he wanted Ray Ray McLeod out there because he was comfortable with Ray Ray. Again, he could get open in under two seconds, uh, you know, those routes they were running. Uh, so I, I think that that affected um, everything, you know, because Ben dominated. It was his offense. Now we're going to see. And, and like, you know, like you said, this is it. I mean, this there's no more excuses. This will be Canada's offense, and we're going to see what's real. The tight end position, I think when you was on last time we talked, how excited you was about the tight ends. Uh, and then GB and me was talking last week, and he said the same thing. When you talk about Firemuth, if, you know, just think about it. If, if Claypool can play in the slot, he's not like uh, Waller is. If You know, he, he could be that kind of matchup problem. You know, even though he's not a tight end, Waller plays like a big receiver, yeah. a big wideout. So I can see Claypool having that kind of impact. You know, you was the one that told me about uh, Gentry and how good that, that everybody was talking about how he was looking. And um, and then you got Connor Hayward. And he's the guy, a jack of all trades. He looks like there's so many different ways they could use him. And he can help whether it be short yardage, whether it be a kickout block, whether it's, you know, what do you think, uh, what kind of impact could Connor Hayward have as that number three tight end? Right. That's another interesting question too. You know, there's, uh, there's only one football out there. But, and, but also uh, is he like, is he like Samuels? You know, Samuels was in Canada's offense. Yeah. And, and could he be that, what Samuels never was in the NFL, could he be that? I think the difference is uh, he actually switched to tight end and played a season at tight end and is much more prepared to be a blocker at the NFL level. Samuels was never was never that. He, he just couldn't be that, that guy, and he wasn't a good enough pure running back for them to, to justify holding a spot on him. And, you know, they really weren't, they really weren't using an H-back type, so – so he kind of was an odd man, uh, an odd fit there. But, uh, you know, Ka- uh, Hayward, it seems like 
he's got a role in this offense because again, if I if I ref, refer back to that that 2016 pit offense, man, they they did a ton with H backs. Uh, they and they really they really moved those guys around and 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 used them in unconventional ways. I mean, he was running. He was running wheel routes with with 250 pound guys out the back. There. He was running he was running jet sweep on the goal line to to, uh, to H backs because because nobody expects it and um and and Hayward could certainly be that guy. He's very very versatile. Uh, but I I'll, I'll go back to the to the tight end point you made uh, a minute ago. I mean I, I have I haven't been this excited about the tight ends in Pittsburgh since you know Heath Miller was in his prime. Uh, you know, linebackers and tight ends, man. Those are my guys. Those are my, those are my favorite guys on the field. Uh, I think they're the best natural football players. I think they're the guys yeah. who are the most versatile, uh, have to be the, you know, a combination really of smarts and athleticism and toughness like no other position. Uh, and I just think that in the way today's game uh, is officiated with the defense just really being limited in, in the, their ability to, to contact receivers that it's just opened up the tight end game so much. Uh, and so now with, with Friermuth, who just looks like he's developing into a star, uh, and Gentry, who I was just stunned by his progression last year. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe mm-hmm. how much better he had gotten. And yeah. then I think I was talking about this, Shannon, when the last time you and I were, were on together, uh, looking at some of the, the um, minicamp photos of Gentry and just he just dwarfed move, <laughs> yeah. man. We're talking about a grown man. Um so so a guy like that, you know, like now you've got a, a blocking tight end who can be an anchor in a certain package. Friermuth who can play in the slot. If you want to go 12 personnel and force defenses to put some bigger personnel on the field and now put your speed guys outside. You got a lot of interesting options. I think the word for this offense, if this offense is going to be at its best, I think versatility is going to be the word that will define it because Canada really has options. Versatility. That you, you just set up my next question perfectly with that statement. Uh, when he was at Pitt, Canada kind of found his group, right? You, he He had some variants, different players came in and out, but – it wasn't a big number of people. He had a he had a pretty tight group that he just used in very different ways. He found guys that could really do a lot of different things. And we're sitting here looking at a team three deep at tight end, six, seven deep at wide receiver. You've got Najee Harris, who's obviously the best, like the, probably the best player on the team on the offense last year. Is Canada and his system and how that runs is it going to benefit more? from finding, you know, these are our five guys that we can run a lot of stuff out of, and they're going to be the major players in this offense, and then other guys will come in for bit parts? Or do you think that versatility means we're going to see a lot of substitutions, a lot of guys getting, you know, 50 60% of the snaps and not then nobody really playing like the 90% of snaps like we saw even last year with a lot of players? Right. Do, you, do, you, do, you, do you think which side, of, which side of the coin do you think works better uh, with Matt Canada, I think I think the one thing he has now is he's got answers to problems that 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 he gets presented. Last year, we all know this, right? Last year, defenses just loaded the box, yeah. uh, dared basically dared the Steelers to beat them down the field in the passing game, and and got a plus one so that they were able to take away the run, and there were no answers. And uh, and that was really not anybody's fault. I mean, that just kind of was where the team was from a personnel perspective. Uh, 
with the bad O-line and, and Ben's limitations and the receivers without a great deep threat. But what have they done now? They've upgraded specifically the interior of the offensive line mm-hmm. so that, as Shannon alluded to earlier, they can they can have more of a pocket passing game, uh, you know, because they're not going to hopefully get that push in the quarterback's face uh, as immediately. They've gone out and, and drafted a guy in George Pickens who is a real deep threat and is a guy that, uh, you know, you're going to have to think twice about singling up on. Uh, they've, they've, they've now bolstered the tight end room. Uh, you know, Fryermuth in his second year, I think, will make a leap. You, uh, you got Calvin Austin the third as just sort of your speed and gadget guy. I mean, you've got you've given Canada the opportunity to now problem solve. So the defense essentially is will is going to take away a. He's now got a B. and I don't know I don't know how that plays out from game to game. We might we may see you know like one game plan for a, specific, a certain opponent, and then the game will unfold in a certain way, and Canada will make you know, this adjustment. And then the next week we might see something totally different. Whereas last week it was just the same Steeler offense week after week after week. I remember for the wild card game in Kansas city, I was, I was actually in, in Disney at the time with my kids in Disney. Right. So pretty hard to be a passionate Steelers fan when you're, when the Steelers get their butt kicked in Disney, you know, like, yeah. but, but I said to the, 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 we were down there with some friends and, and I said to my one friend who's not, who's a, you know, not a Steelers fan, not really that familiar with him. And he was like, what, what do you want to see out of the Steelers thing? And I said, the only thing I want to see is, is just something different on offense, right? Something uh, imaginative, something creative. And it wasn't. It was, the same, it was the same thing. And, again, I just think that they didn't have the options. So, you know, long story short, Jeffrey, to answer your question, man, I really think what we're going to see is uh, a, a week-to-week game plan that will hopefully – uh, be able to exploit the 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 holes that an opponent presents. I have a two part question because I I wrote an article recently about as you said Calvin Austin the third's potential, you know, to be used in gadgets and be a real weapon. But I said for him to be effective, he has to be used. And what I mean is they would bring in Anthony McFarland. And they had a few specific plays they wanted to use for him. But he might get three or four snaps a game. Soon as he comes in, everybody in the stadium, everybody on defense is like, there he is. There he is. I mean, that they have to be worked into a regular rotation, used with different uh, formations and, and with different pairings so that they're not so predictable that way. And that comes into that uh, creativity. And like GB says, if they don't give – if they get more players, if they split them snaps up and use everybody, then they're going to be harder to, you know, design for and to scheme for. But you being an offensive genius yourself, a guru, <laughs> infamous, infamous in the high school coaching ranks. I mean, I mean, I understand. I understand. Would you let this opportunity pass? Zach Gentry was a even a college quarterback. Now, you know where I'm going with this. You know, you throw that ball parallel or behind the line of scrimmage. You throw that ball parallel to the line of scrimmage, and then Gendry could put one down the field on a on a flea flicker. You know, th- that could really surprise some people. Now, I don't want to give away the secrets here, but <laughs> but you've I'm sure you've already thought of that yourself, right? I did not think of Zach Gentry at quarterback. I'm not going to lie, Shannon. No, no, no. <laughs> not me. You know what I mean. Not, he's just going to throw like Randall L. used to do. 
you know, the Steelers haven't really had that since Ward and Randall. Well, Gentry was a, you know, college quarterback before he became a tight end. Yeah. I mean, if Canada's unleashed, we can see anything. You know, we don't. Yes. We really could. Uh, now, you can use that with your team if you want to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> and if we do, I will absolutely uh, give you credit for it. I will, Put, I will call it the 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 Shannon White play or something. You know, just... okay, you got it, you got it, man. <laughs> um, but hey, hey, with with Austin though, you're you're right about that, and and you know, honestly, man, they, they if it's first and ten and you're gonna run the football, put them in. Yeah. Put him in at the X mm-hmm. and, you know, let him go, you know, walk out there and do a little like a uh, man dance with, with the corner out there. Well, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and then take him off the field. Right. Because obviously, yeah, the more that he's on the field and, and not being the focal point, then the more effective he'll be when, when he is, you're hundred percent right about the whole look at me, look at me thing that happened. And they did that with Dre Archer and they did that yep. with Chris Rainey. And it was just, but I think he's a very, very different player. He's mm-hmm. he's a receiver. He's an X receiver. He's an outside receiver, who I think that they can they can use in the slot uh, more, maybe as a jet sweep guy or something like that. And they want to get him off the ball and move him around. But he's a really good route runner, uh, and he's a and he's a legitimate, uh, you know, not just a deep ball threat, but he can run the route tree. So mm-hmm. I think that that he's if he's if he's capable of doing it. Uh, a guy that who will be integrated into the receiver rotation and, and not just as a, a so-called specialist. So now, now Shannon has, you were talking about. Look, look at it, GB. What? There's what you can call it, coach. What's that? <laughs> you, you, can you see it on your screen? What's that? What's saying? Oh, yeah. Forty-three, 43 break is that what that says? S white V Thunder forty-three break. <laughs> Love it. I'll take Love full it. credit. Oh yeah. Shannon's talking about Zach Gentry throwing passes. You're talking about Jack Canada in 2016 running jet sweeps with H backs. Now in my head, we got Zach Gentry running a jet sweep, and then he pulls up and throws a touchdown on the goal line. It's that. That's what I'm seeing here now. <laughs> People, oh. people think this play calling thing's hard. Look how easy it is. Look what we're I can do it. Yeah, really, right? Hey, it's better as Chris Boswell. He could like he could like hand it over the goal. Just 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 reach. It's, it's better than Chris Boswell getting knocked out again. That's true. That's yeah, true. It's a better play than that. I gotta tell you something about being a, 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 about being an offensive genius. There there are, there have been so many times. Uh, as an offensive play caller, when, when I've had a play sheet in my hand and I've looked down at it in the middle of the game and thought to myself, that nothing, this all sucks. Nothing. <laughs> I don't like anything on this. No matter what I call it, we're going to get our butt handed to us. I don't like any of this, you know. So, <laughs> real genius right there, man. <laughs> yeah, that's where – see, that's where you need a Ben Roethlisberger because you call something he's like, no, guys, this is what we're going to do. Sure, sure. I'm going to get one out Run exactly. out there, run around. I'll throw some guys down, and eventually someone gets open. Yeah. He he solved a lot of problems for the yep, yep. A lot. He made a lot of people look good. Uh, <laughs> with with uh, Calvin Austin the third, you said he. You can see him. He is a he is a real receiver, right? Like like I, and I've talked about this. If you look at the reports on him, you watch his film. The way he runs his routes, the, his hands, his his even his his catch radius, right? Everything about him, you're like, this guy is a phenomenal receiver who just is too short. And we've seen a lot of guys come into football 
that are dynamic playmakers in college, excuse me, and then they get to the NFL and they're not quite big enough or sturdy enough to handle the work. And I'll go even so far as like a Reggie Bush, who was an absolute monster of a tailback in college. And when he came to the NFL, he couldn't work on that level. And he had to kind of find a different role where he was kind of a third down back. He, he would run different route, but he couldn't be a pure tailback. Right. And we're looking at a guy like Calvin Austin, the third. And my question to you is what are the odds that, that of a player, his size actually making it yeah. right. Cause we, we can sit here and say, he's got all these skills, but he's also in, in a way too small for football. Right, he's one of those guys that's just too small to play in the NFL. But you hope that maybe he's one of the few players that is an exception and can do it. Where do you where do you think he falls in that? What do you think our odds are of, of him being able to translate to the NFL? Right. So again, I think it's going to fall uh, on on how he's utilized. You know, for example, um, he may not be able to play in a traditional eleven personnel package. You know, may, maybe. Maybe the Steelers just don't see his – maybe his limitations may be a little bit too much because of his size, and teams will just jam him at the line. I know he's lightning quick, but, you know, NFL corners are darn good. And uh, But let's say now Matt Canada says, all right, well, we're going to put a, a speed package on the field where we're going to get field stretchers. We're going to put Claypool and Pickens and Austin – uh, on the field together and DJ and maybe when we go 10 personnel and, you know, take the tight ends off and now it gets a little trickier because, all right, where do you put your best corner? Uh, you know, does the team, does the, a defense has to play cover two against that. You got to put two guys in the sky against that. Uh, does that open up now, uh, you know, opportunity for quick receiver screens with the safeties back, you know, 12 yards and the jet sweep game and, and those types of things. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that Austin comes on the field and he gets the ball. It just means that he's part of a package that plays to his strengths. Maybe you go the opposite route. You know, maybe you, you load up a big package you, and you say, hey, we're going to run some bunch sets. And our bunch is going to be 6'8", you know, 265-pound Zach Gentry and 6'5", 255-pound Pat Fryermuth and Calvin Austin. Mm-hmm. And we're going we're gonna to find ways now within that, you know, that mess of bodies to be able to get him the ball with, with some interference and, and see what he can do because he's, he's dynamic in space. Um, so he might not be a guy who succeeds in a traditional uh, offense, but again, like we said earlier, uh, the options that Canada has now will allow him to get really, really creative with the packages. And it's now it's his job. They, I mean, they picked Austin for a reason. I mean, there were other good receivers on the board, yeah. Uh, they picked him for a reason. So that tells me that they have to have something in mind. They have to see a role for him. Uh, and it falls on Canada to find the right one. One of the biggest uh, free agent signings, uh, there were so many good ones, but the one that got the most negativity, at least with the people I was talking to, was Okorafor. And right after he was signed, I remember you saying specifically – that you thought it was a lot of his age, his experience, and that he might be a much better fit in the offense the way the schematical and the ph- philosophy changes they're going to make this year, yeah. uh, which, you know, inside, outside zone, where movement's going to be more of a pro- – because he's never going to be a super physical guy or intense, 
but he does have excellent reach and he does move very, very well. And that, you know, I couldn't understand it when I first heard the signing. And then I heard you say that, and it made sense that he could be much improved just because it's going to be a better fit. Um, and based on what we're hearing, um, they are going to look more to be more aggressive, not as far as maybe try to be more physical, but try to engage uh, and, and move the pocket and, and, and block more laterally even. And where I think it will be a better fit for a core for, um, do you still feel that, uh, that that is the reason why they signed him to that extension or re-signed him? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's the only reason, but I certainly think it's a reason. Um, he, he is a more lateral uh, player, and and I and, and we real I really expect to see the the mid zone and outside zone play come back into this offense, uh, and then also with a movement based quarterback, the offensive tackle uh, is going to be he's really asked to to take advantage of, of movement and leverage more than than anchoring in or brute strength or those types of things. Uh, you know, if, if the the other thing that will help him too is by having the being better at, at the center and guard positions, mm-hmm. uh, where he's going to really you know be able to not have to worry so much about protecting his inside gap and being able to like mm-hmm. run guys up the field a little bit more. So I think that there's a lot of reasons why they signed. You know, he also he's he's 24 years old, 25 mm-hmm. maybe, and uh, he's got a good amount of experience, and he and he knows the Steelers, and he. And he's got a year in Canada's system, and they certainly know what they're working with. And they probably looked at the market and said, you know, we don't necessarily think that there's an upgrade for for an mm-hmm. affordable number out there. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'm I'm I've got my reservations about him. I'll be quite honest, just because you know, no matter how much you disguise it and and how much you try to 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 move the offense, it's still at the end of the day you're going to have to put your hand in the ground and get off the ball. And be able to block down on people or move some people, et cetera. And, and he just hasn't shown a consistency in doing that. But I think he'll be better in this offense, certainly, than he was uh, previously. The Steelers have a lot of size. We've talked about it multiple times. Zach Gentry, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Chase Claypool. Now they've added George Pickens. If the Steelers, what, what we think the Steelers are going to do when they go to 11 personnel, the, the kind of base package would be, you got Deontay Johnson at the X, George Pickens taking the outside role uh, on the Z side, Chase Claypool in the slot, and Pat Fryermuth at tight end. If you could just just let people listening know what kind of ways and what kind of asset is it to be able to put a George Pickens, a Chase Claypool, and a Pat Fryermuth on one side of the field and make a defense have to you know cover all three of those on just one half of the field. Uh, how, would, how would you use that? How would you attack with that? And as a defense, what kind of problems does that, specific problems does that create with that much yeah. size and speed? Yeah, right. So, all right, without getting too football nerdy here, you know, like uh, there's just, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can play trips, uh, formations. Um, but but the first the first decision you have to make as any defense is, is how many safeties you're going to play with. Are you going to play two high or one high? So, so let's just look at that real quick, right? If you decide to play too high, what you're basically saying is we feel we need help on the single receiver side. Um, and, you know, I mean, if the, Steelers, if the Steelers can make teams 
do that, can make teams honor that single receiver side. And that doesn't always, that doesn't simply mean like, oh, well, we just, we, we, we run by guys. Uh, that means we got a guy, an X receiver over there who can beat single coverage in the progress, in the route progression somehow. And they, and we, you know, we need to figure out how to, how to double that guy. If we, if the Steelers can do that, then they get huge matchup advantages to the trip side, because now you're relying on linebackers to cover those, uh, that Friar move thing and Claypool. And that just is a huge win for the Steelers right there. If a defense goes, decides that they want to go one high and they roll that safety down to the trips, well, now you've really got an opportunity to the single receiver side to get one-on-one uh, and, and work that side of the field. If the defense kicks too much to the single side, so for example, real quick, a, a stress coverage is, is a coverage that is, is pretty common at most levels where uh, a, a defense is lining up in, in a, a too high look, but they're actually working towards the single receiver side because they don't believe that the Z receiver is a, is a serious threat. Uh, in essence, it's saying like they got a dude on the on the on the single side, and we're going to show too high, and we're actually going to read to the backside because we think we can lock down that Z. Well, now maybe George Pickens is a guy who you know you you just can't do that to, right? Um, so so the Steelers have the potential now with again, man, just the, the the guys that you just named. If you put them out there in that in that formation, just to find a matchup advantage no matter what a defense throws at them, they have that potential. Now we'll see if they can do it. Uh, but they didn't have that potential in the last few seasons. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, you, you know, we've all talked about it throughout the off season. One of the things that I think everybody uh, at BTSC is so excited about is, is just the, the, the possibilities that this offense has based upon the personnel it's acquired that they haven't had in the past. And, uh, and that's just, you know, th- those on trips looks are, are just one example. I love to see the Steelers get into unbalanced looks with this offense, uh, tackles over looks. And because it all forces rotations and adjustments from the defense that make them unsound. You, you ask any defensive coordinator the things that they like the least, and they will tell you uh, unbalanced sets and, and lots of motions because it forces defenses out of their base structures into structures that they're less comfortable with that, that, that you have guys who are not necessarily great fits into, in the roles that they're playing, that, the, that they're forced to play. Uh, and there were guys that have to kick over an extra gap now and, and aren't maybe used to now playing like in between the tight end and tackle as opposed to the garden tackle. So I think the Steelers have the opportunity to do a ton of that stuff. And that's just pretty exciting. I've seen where Harris said that he's going to, not by choice, but that he expects he's going to be off the field more and, and get more rest and, and and not be used quite as much. But they haven't really added anything to the backfield. Um I don't it's hard to judge honestly what they have based on how inept the offensive line has been at least for the last year and a half. So I, I, I try not to to make a final judgment, but could part of that relief, let's say, come in the form of, uh, you know, Harris could even be out there at times, but not be the primary ball carrier, whether it be, you know, like we was talking about doing something with uh, Austin, he can line up in the backfield or, you know, motion him out of the backfield. You could do the same with Hayward as, an, you know, an H-back. Um, and also Hayward could pick up some of that short yardage runs 
to take some of that wear and tear off of him. Um, I'm wondering if that could be it versus, you know, actually have somebody come in for a series because based on what they got right now and they haven't added anybody, I don't know who that would be. What do you think? I know, I know. I would be shocked if he meant that Benny Snell's taking his reps because Benny mm-hmm. Snell's not that guy. You know, he's not mm-hmm. like the guy who gets four or five carries a game and does well. You know, I actually like Benny Snell. Uh, you know, if he if he had to be the every down back, if something happened to Harris, I I, I have no problem because he's put up pretty good numbers when he's been in that role. But he's not really a part time guy. Mm-hmm. He does best as the game goes on, et cetera. So. So right, so so to your point, who does that? Who, who are we talking about? Are we talking about a big role for McFarland? Are we talking about using one of the guys that you just mentioned? Are we talking about going? I mean, it's, here's an interesting thought, man. You put if you put uh, Hayward and Austin on the field together, and I, I know we're talking about two rookies, and that an awful lot has to happen for you know for this scenario to play out. But if you put those 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 guys on the field, I mean, together you you can go empty with a natural two tight end set. Uh, with Hayward as a tight end and Fryermuth as a tight end, and now three wides, and you can shift to a pro set in you know in a fullback you know mm-hmm. look, or or you can shift to a single back set or I mean you've got again a, I think this is the stuff that Canada's been working on all off season is just really trying to maximize his personnel and if it means getting Najee Harris off the field a little bit to manage his workload then I'm all for it, right? Because mm-hmm. what do you have, 381 touches or something ridiculous like that? It was crazy, time? yeah. Something like that, right? <laughs> and it just, you know, I know I know, Mike Tomlin is, is committed to the bell cow approach, and, and I'm with him on that, but, but you, you know, you got to be able to, to manage your best player on offense a little bit better. Absolutely. We need Najee Harris to be Najee Harris for a playoff run. Yes. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully 20 games. You know, yes. we're hoping 20, 21 games here could be played. <laughs> you, you want him to be at top form for those last couple of games. Yeah, it's funny. You, you, when you say it like that, 20 or 21 NFL games at running back, can you even imagine yeah. what that must be like? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I just how do you how do you physically withstand that? But then again, you look at Najee Harris and you're like, oh, my gosh. Look at, look at, <laughs> look at the physique on that dude. It's yeah. mind-boggling. You seen them quads? Oh my, it's, that it's guy's my a monster. He's like Earl Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a we, good call right there. But in, in, in college, I was playing safety once in college, and we were playing Union College in New York, which and they had a big, like a 230-pound running back. And the kid wasn't real fast, but he was 230 pounds. And they were just – and it was the old-school I-formation football, and they ran power, you know, 35 times or whatever. And I was strong safety in the alley, and my job was to come down and take on a fullback, like – pretty much every play and by the third quarter I, I i didn't want to do it anymore you know i just was like this is, this is not fun i'm not yeah. enjoying this at all and so like imagine imagine trying to tackle nadia i think we, we we say all the time about like uh, the corners oh these guys don't tackle well you know there's kind of a reason why they don't tackle you didn't do a devin bush did you what's that uh, Devin Bush? yeah you didn't do a devin bush where you know it was kind of Get get caught in the watch like whoop! I can't get back, and then you know, did jog after. Uh, no, you know what you do, man. You know what you start doing. You rather than using your technique, you just start putting your your pads on the fullback shins. You know, and then like then then he doesn't want to do it anymore either. Yeah, you, know? so, you take yourself out. It's like a mutual tap out, you know. <laughs> we both just walk up and put our hands on each other. Like okay, yeah. we're good. We're both good. Yeah. 
We're good. Enter an agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are we are over our time. Oh man, which is I, I love talking to you, KT. Great having you here today. This is a great conversation. Uh, before we go, though, if you could let everyone know anything you've got coming up, anything you want to plug, anything you want to say. Uh, just you know, our, our uh, the Thursday night. Well, it actually runs on Fridays. Uh, you know, my pot, my uh, podcast, the Here We Go podcast with Brian is a hoot, man. Brian's a great guy to to, to do a show with. He's a uh, he's got a great persona, and you know, <laughs> and it's worth it for the pop culture references alone. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> he is a lot of fun. Yeah, Shannon, but, what do you, you know, have like, coming up? To everybody out there listening, man, it's just you know, uh, the work that these guys do. Um, that everybody really behind the steel curtain does is is amazing stuff for uh, the content. I think that that uh, people at the site were able to churn out through the off season was just incredibly impressive. And uh, now that we're getting ramped up for training camp in the regular season, I'm I'm so excited to see what everybody else around here is going to do. <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. What do you have coming up? Uh, I don't know if it's posted in the, tomorrow or not, but I have an article about. Time of possession being the the key thing that the stores need to focus on improving on offense, because you know they just, uh, especially without the clutch factor, uh, with Ben being there, they they need to maximize their defense. So they got to improve that time of possession. So uh, there's a that article will be focusing on that. And I have uh, the vertex coming out this week is on Anthony Miller. Uh, we just talked about him here, but we just did an article on him and looking at him and Trubisky, what they were able to do together versus what he did apart. And basically asking the question I asked here is, can this guy carve out a role for him as someone who's just very familiar with the quarterback? Uh, so look for that. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the people coming in to participate in our live chat. It's great always reading your comments. Thank you for listening to whatever podcast you're listening to. If you're listening to this on a podcast network, on that network, you can find all of the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. And make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We truly aim to be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to thank everyone. I want to thank Kevin. Thank you for being here. Shannon, thank you for being on with me as always. To everyone listening, have a great week. And let's go Steelers. Oh, how it rips me, but makes me live for tomorrow.